you started free up with the $5,000 and then you were doing over 12 million in revenue. Did, did you use VAs as part of that? Like what role did that, did both delegating, but also using VAs specifically play in your growth? So I've started three businesses now with $5,000. I have no idea why that's the number for whatever reason, that's it. But in all three businesses, besides the early days of my Amazon business where I did hire some US employees, everything else was run completely by VAs. Yeah, I mean, every operation from customer service to bookkeeping to billing clients to marketing, podcast, SEO strategies, all of that is done with, with VAs. You are listening to Next Up Nation, where leaders and influencers dish their secrets to inform, inspire, and entertain serious podcasters with host Tiffany Youngren. Hey, I'm Tiffany Youngren, and I've been an entrepreneur and marketer for 28 years. I first started podcasting a few years ago for fun, then later for profit, and now I do it for both. You are about to get some amazing insights from Nathan Hirsch, who took a $5,000 investment and turned it into a multi-million dollar leading virtual assistant company, which he has since sold and is now building a hot new company that is growing like wildfire. So get ready for some success bombs that you can use. Before we hear from Nathan, if you podcast to promote your product or services, have you ever wondered if you're missing out on ways to monetize or when it comes to getting more listeners? Use our podcast audit at nextupnation.com slash mypodcast to find ways to promote your show and strategies to monetize your podcast that you may not yet have considered. Now here's the show. Prepare yourself. Okay, let's go. Hey there, I'm Tiffany Youngren, owner of OMH Agency, and welcome to Next Step Nation, a weekly show that brings you leaders and influencers across a vast number of industries who are happy to share their insights on expanding our spheres of influence. Thank you so much for listening. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Nathan Hirsch. He's the CEO and founder at Outsource School. Nathan is an entrepreneur and an expert in remote hiring and e-commerce. Most recently, Nathan co-founded freeup.com in 2015 with an initial $5,000 investment, and he scaled it to $12 million per year in revenue, and it was then acquired in 2019. Today, Nathan is a co-founder of Outsource School, a company working to educate entrepreneurs on how to effectively hire and scale with virtual assistants through in-depth courses. He is a social media personality and loves sharing advice on scaling remote businesses. Nathan, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I love just talking about businesses and scaling and virtual assistants, so it should be fun. It will be. It will be. In fact, um, I've just been like geeking out about like, oh my gosh, Nathan's going to be on my show. I've been interviewing BAs on FreeUp and, uh, you know, talking <laughs> to my friends and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to be on my show. And I've had several say that they've interviewed you and you're awesome. So I, I just made me that. even more excited. <laughs> Your reputation precedes you. So um, I think we're in for a real treat. And I mentioned this to you earlier, but um, understanding how to really work well with VAs is so important with podcasting. So I appreciate you being here to share your insight. Yeah, it should be fun. And the elephant in the room is there's a thunderstorm going on outside. So if you hear thunder in the background, there, there's not too much I can do about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, that's okay. Well, I just stay safe. Like it, <laughs> from my side, like I actually love the sound of thunder, but I, I, you know, feel for you because I know you've got a huge storm moving through right now. So I'll be so good. It, it's right. like sound. Of, it's really, you know, we'll just play it off as sound effects. That's on purpose. Exactly. We're trying to add mood here. So, so that's awesome. Well, Nathan, you know, before you got on, there were a couple things that I had asked you about, something that not a lot of people know about you. And you said you like baseball and your favorite sitcom is The Office. Can I just say, like, I don't know you very well. I just like Facebook stalked you and things like that. And I, I'm just not surprised about The Office. Is that weird? <laughs> the Office is great. I remember seeing that back in the day. It was right around the time, actually, that I did not want to have a boss. My parents made me work like 40, 50 hours a week from the time I was, I don't know, 15 to when I went to college. And um, at the same time, you got Michael Scott over there, who was the total opposite of the boss I had back in the day. So that's when I, I first got <laughs> into it. And um, I'm sad that they're not going to be on Netflix next year. I'm going to have to, I forget what they're moving to, but might have to pivot to that. Oh, yeah. Is it? Is it, yeah, I mean, I don't want to really advertise for them, but is it Peacock, I wonder? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't okay. even know what Peacock is, to be honest. Not, <laughs> it's, <not> in tune. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the NBC one. That's where Friends is going to. Oh, so yeah. I, I have a little bit of that loss in my own self. So I know you're really active on social media. Whenever I jump on, I am always happy to see posts from you. And I can't remember if it was LinkedIn or Facebook, but didn't today you just post something asking who works more than nine hours? Was it a week? Is that right? Okay. Who has worked more than a nine hour day in the past week? Oh gosh. So <laughs> there's always, there's always something behind questions I know. So can you just talk a little bit more about why you asked or what, what made you even want to know? Yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right. There's always something behind the question. So we, right now we're in a new stage of my life, but for business, we're starting outsource school. We're in year one of outsource school, which is a lot of discovery. I'm now on startup number three. And I've learned that in that first year, you need to figure out who your target audience is, how they identify themselves, what they look like. And we're kind of in the process of doing that at outsource school and figuring out like, Hey, where, I mean, you can target every business in the world, but ideally you're, you're not doing that. You're targeting very specific niches or entrepreneurs. And the cool thing about the VA space is it really does, especially because of COVID, but even before COVID applies to every single business out there. But there's plenty of people that have their systems and processes all set up. They're not interested in VAs, whatever it is. And, and so we wanted to, we're, we're trying to target that busy entrepreneur that is making money, they're growing a business or they're on track to grow a business, but they're, they're stuck in their business. They're working way too many hours. They're, they're stressed. They're, they're the processes, the systems, the hires that they've made in their business don't allow them to work less. And, and so we're doing a little bit of experimenting with our target and who it is. And a lot of the people that follow me from their response are working more than nine hours a day. So it tells me a little something to get closer. So I'm just really curious with the responses that you're getting. I It seems like a lot of entrepreneurs wear it as a badge of honor almost that, oh yeah, I work a million hours a week. Like I'm embarrassed when I say, I mean, I have coaches who will like kick my butt if I admit it happily, but not a lot of people do. Are you finding as people are responding that they work so many hours? Are they feeling like, oh, good job me. I work so hard. Or are you finding that they're like, I really want to offload some of this? What's the general feeling you're getting? 
Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think that I used to be one of those people that wore it as a badge of honor where it's like, oh, I can work 15 hour days. Like for some reason that makes me better than you. But I think over time, um, you kind of you, you kind of evolved to be like, hey, that's crazy. It's unsustainable. You have to have systems and processes. You can't have a business that if you can't leave it, doesn't run. Like I want to be able to take three days off and come back and everything's good or even not better than when I left. But I also think there's a second component of it because a lot of people really do love what they do and they're not stressed out by work. But then it comes down to where are they spending those nine hours? If they're working 11 hours a day and eight of those hours are on repetitive operations and three are on expansion, that's a problem. If people are working 11 hours a day and 10 out of the 11 are spent on growth strategies, ideas, marketing, the high level stuff the CEO should be doing, that's a lot different. And then it becomes a little bit more of a life choice on balancing work hours versus non-work hours. But if you don't have a choice, if your business doesn't run, doesn't grow, unless you're working those 10 hour days, to me, that's when you, that's just a wake up call. You need VAs, you need better processes, you need better systems. And that's really where the industry that I'm in and trying to help people. And I'm really on a mission to help people not only realize that, but implement that quickly because I, I went through years and years of trial and error, figuring out a good hiring process, a good way to create SOPs and systems. And I always wish there was someone that said, this is how you do it. Do this. Don't do this. Follow these steps. And, and that's really what I'm trying to contribute to the entrepreneurial community. I love it. So, you know, in the beginning, I, when I introduced you, there was that statement that you started free up with the $5,000 and then you were doing over $12 million in revenue. Did did you use VAs as part of that? Like what role did that, did both delegating, but also using VAs specifically play in your growth? So I've started three businesses now with $5,000. I have no idea why that's the number for whatever <laughs> reason, that's it. Um, but in all three businesses, besides the early days of my Amazon business, where I did hire some US employees, everything else was run completely by VAs. The four years that I ran free up, we had no office, no US employees, no office in the Philippines. It was me and, and 35 remote VAs doing everything. And I didn't just wake up one day and hire 35 people either. I started part-time and built it up over time as well. So yeah, I mean, every operation from customer service to bookkeeping to billing clients to marketing, podcast research, uh, partnership programs, backlinks, SEO strategies, all of that is done with, with VAs. Now, certain parts of it, and, and we teach all this stuff to our students at, at Outsource School, like we have the podcast outreach formula, which is one of our most popular formulas. I obviously have to show up for the podcast, but outside of that, all of the other work is done without me. I wake up, my VAs do the research, I review it, they pitch the host, the host responds, they book the podcast. I do one podcast every single day. You're my one podcast today. So I'm booked out through like September and they know, hey, don't book Nate for more than one podcast a day. They schedule it. I go on the podcast. They, You're going to get an email right after this saying, hey, thanks for having Nathan on. That comes from my VA. So a lot of the marketing systems, some of it's done completely with VAs, but some of it is done 95% with VAs and I just come in at the end and, and do my part. Gotcha. Gotcha. So if, if someone... I, I'm sure that people listening right now, there, there are a lot of them. Uh, we all know entrepreneurs and we're all, I feel like so many are guilty of this, but they're just sitting there going, I'm so busy though. Like, how do I even start? I get it. I need some help with some other tasks, but we're, we're really trained up to hire people kind of the traditional way. If you know, if you're talking to somebody and they're super busy and they want to make that transition, what is the first thing that you recommend that they do? 
So the first tip that I try to give people is figure out a way to get five hours of your week back. That's just a a fantastic starting point. Hiring someone full-time, figuring out how to fill their hours, that can be overwhelming. Instead, make a list of everything that you do on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. These are things that you already know how to do. You have a system for it. Even the system's in your head. You know step one, step two, step three, and pick the easiest thing or even pick the thing that you just hate doing the most because if you get that off your plate, that's going to re-energize you as an entrepreneur. And with the five hours off a week, it's relatively low risk because it's an easy task. It's only five hours a week. You're going to hire someone. You're going to learn a lot from hiring someone. You're going to learn to trust people a little bit. You're going to get those five hours back. You're going to be able to relocate those five hours to better things that you should be doing, whether it's time with family or growth strategy, expansion, marketing. Um, And then it becomes addicting. It becomes fun. You get comfortable with the situation, then get another five hours off, then 10, then hire a full-time person or a second DA. But your number one goal should be to just get five hours off your plate. Um, and, And that just makes such a huge difference in being an entrepreneur, but also just your mindset going forward. Gotcha. One thing that is fascinating as you say that is, you know, I'm actually going, I, we talked about this earlier. I'm going through a lot of this process right now. I've had a big team and then we pivoted. And so now I'm like rebuilding. What is your, I, I completely agree with you with that whole five hours thing. That's exactly what we've done is, I mean, we've hired specialists as well, but having that VA that I'm offloading certain tasks to, I have a couple questions about that. One is this whole idea that, VAs, like the, the, how much they should be an hour. Like as an entrepreneur, you're going in going, well, I don't want to pay someone so little. Like I want somebody who knows what they're doing, but yet, you know, how that value optimization type idea of, you know, if you're offloading things that you hate, but they're kind of high level, like how do you strategize who you hire and how much to offer for that position. Do you understand Mike, what I'm trying yeah. to get at? Okay. So you mentioned high level. So I want to kind of take a step back and, and just kind of define it a little bit. So there's three different levels of people you can hire. You've got followers, you've got doers, and you've got experts. So followers think non-US, five to 10 bucks an hour. I wouldn't hire a US follower. They're, they, they might have years of experience, but they're there to follow your systems, your process. If you don't know how to do something, if you don't have a system or a process, you cannot hire the followers. If you hire someone and you don't know how to run Facebook ads and you say, hey, for five bucks an hour, go run my Facebook ads. I don't know how. That's not going to turn out too well for you. Then you've got the doers, the graphic designers, video editors, writers. You're not teaching a graphic designer how to be a graphic designer. They're not consulting with you either. They're there to do that one task at a high level. And they do the same task eight hours a day. They can be 10 to 35 bucks an hour, project-based, paper project, whatever it is. And then you got the experts, the high level freelancers, consultants, coaches, agencies, they could be 50 bucks an hour, they could be 50,000 bucks an hour, but they're there to bring their own expertise to the table, their systems, their processes. And just like you wouldn't hire a follower and say, hey, I do this without systems, you wouldn't hire an expert and say, hey, you've had five years of success doing it your way. I'm going to pay you top dollar, but I'm going to teach you my system. That doesn't make any sense either. So understanding these different levels is key. If you do not know how to do something, you cannot hire a follower. You have to hire a doer. You have to hire an expert. You have to pay more money from them. And the whole goal is to make your business as systemized as possible so you can hire as many followers as possible. Because, and I've seen this with a lot of businesses, if your entire business runs on doers and experts, they have a lot of leverage. Like they walk away. You don't have systems. You don't have processes. You don't know how to do things. So if you are just talking about 
followers, which when I'm saying the word VA, some people think VA is everyone that works from home, which is fine. When I say VA, I'm only talking about the followers, just so people that follow me um, have a clear message. And then five to 10 bucks an hour is very reasonable. Five to seven is reasonable for most cases. If you find someone you like, you want to put in a situation, you always want to make it so you're your fa- you are their favorite client. And it's a win for both of you. But when you find someone you like, give them that extra dollar, that extra $2. It's way better than turnover. I hired Anna, who's my rock star VA. Um, I, I'm not sure if you met her, but she, she started at five bucks an hour. She's incredible. I bumped her up to eight and she's could not be happier there. So I've had VAs at free up that I was paying over 20 bucks an hour. They didn't start there. They worked their way up. Um, and I'm all about paying VAs well. Like when we sold free up, we took $500,000 from the sale and gave it to our internal team in the Philippines, made sure they were taken care of. So you can still treat okay. VAs very, very well, but five to 10 bucks an hour, five to seven, for starting off or lower level tasks is a fantastic rate to get started at. You know, that's such good advice about understanding the three tiers too. I think you explained it really well um, because it is something I think that a lot of times entrepreneurs get confused about and and where to start. So I, I love how you broke that down. When someone brings on a VA, how important is it to have some kind of a set onboarding process. So you're busy, like, should you put time into like understanding how you're going to bring that person on and how do you suggest rolling into that? Yeah. So we onboarding is a thing that most entrepreneurs miss. <laughs> so you, I like to break down hiring into four parts. You've got interviewing, onboarding, training, and managing. And so what a lot of entrepreneurs will do is they'll say, Hey Jane, that was a great interview. I want to hire you at five bucks an hour. Um, let's start on Monday. And what we teach people to do is, Jane, that was a great interview. I want to hire you at five bucks an hour. First, let's make sure you're really good with five bucks an hour. Maybe her other client's paying her 10. Maybe she got another job offer in the past 24 hours. I want to make sure she's 100% happy with five. And then I want to go over bonuses and raises because if she starts at five and she's expecting to make 10 by the end of the year, and I only give a dollar raise a year, which is pretty reasonable for my experience, then that's not going to blow up on me now, but that's going to blow up on me in a year. So I want to get ahead of that. Then I tell the VA that I want to go through our SICK method, which is schedule, issues, communication, and culture. And we teach you how to do this in outsource school. But the short version is we go through schedule, make sure we're good with that, make sure we know their other clients, their other schedules, what the overlap is, how many hours are working. We go through the most common issues that VAs have, and we make sure that they have a backup plan and they know how to communicate each issue when it happens. So we get way ahead of all those nightmares that people have with VAs. We go through the communication channels that we use and how we use them and what softwares we use. And we go over our culture and make sure they know that no matter how good they are, if they're not a culture fit, that they're not going to work out. So this is a 20 to 30 minute meeting. It's not a four hour meeting. And we've gone through rate, bonuses, raises, schedule, issue, communication, culture. Then we give the VA a chance to back out, a real genuine chance to back out because we would much rather that Jane says, hey, you know know what, your expectations are too high, they're not in line, it's not the right fit, I changed my mind, whatever it is, then for us to figure out it's not a right fit down the line. And having a good onboarding process is the number one way to prevent issues with virtual assistants down the line. Yeah, you just blew my mind just now. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. Um, And I... I mean, beyond onboarding, that one little piece right after the interview and before the official onboarding, uh, I could see how that would just be incredible value. It's kind of like that delivering happiness where, you know, they, was it, was it Amazon that they used to 
offer people money to quit. Yeah, Zappos did that. And Zappos, like, that's what it yeah. was. That's what it was. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay, so this has all been really happy and wonderful so far. Can you share a story of an outsourcing train wreck? <laughs> <laughs> so, like what I, not been, to do? <laughs> yeah, man, I've been I made every mistake in the world outsourcing. I, let me tell two stories because one wasn't an outsourcing experience, but it was a hiring experience. I hired someone. I spent six months training them to do every part of my business. By the time they were done, they were awesome. I was less stressed. My business partner Connor and I we took a vacation to actually celebrate him being trained. And on the first day of our vacation, he quit on us. <laughs> and so oh, six man. months of training down the drain, learned a very, very valuable lesson about diversification um, and outsourcing. I mean, we've had uh, a situation where we hired a developer. We spent tons of time um, going through and, and getting him to understand our process. And then he just disappeared off the face of the map like a month in. Um, and we've had a team of sisters that we hired from South Africa um, who were working. They're billing us twice, but only one of them was working. And it was ridiculous. They overbilled us for months before we caught on. Um, these were all in the early days. And, and every single bad issue we've had, we used that as an opportunity to fix up our system. And it has now evolved into the hiring process that we've created and that we teach today that now spits out A players and it, it, everything's very step-by-step. Step. You don't advance the next part of training or managing or whatever it is until they prove themselves there. So it's all about protecting your investment and not getting to three months in and being like, man, this person's not good. Figuring that out in day one, week one, hour one, whatever it is. So how long does it take to go through outsourcing school? So outsource school is a membership. It's a year membership and they, it's three parts. So the fundamentals, which is our exact hiring process, interviewing, onboarding, training, and managing. We give you our exact system for that. That can be done in 30 days. It could be less, could be more, depending on how long you go through it. Um, but that that's like the fundamentals. And once you go through that, you're going to have a hiring process that you can use in every business that you have going forward. Then the fun part begins because once you learn the fundamentals, we have this process shop that we have SOPs for operations and marketing, all the ones that we've used to grow free up. We use them in outsource school. We teach them to our members um, stuff like getting on podcasts, which we talked about having a VA run your inbox. So around operations marketing, and we come out with new ones every month. And then we teach you how to make really good SOPs in the fundamentals, but we give you a software called Simply SOP to create your own SOPs all in one place, video text, easy to update, easy to share um, for SOPs that we can't teach you. So all three of these things you can get separately on our site, but if you become an outsource school insider, which right now is $9.97 a year, you get access to all three of those things, every playbook that we come out with going forward, as long as you're a member, and our community and our support along that process as well. Wow. So the short answer to answer your question is 30 days to learn the fundamentals and then hiring something you can continue to do as you grow going forward, just depending on what you want to do. Yeah. Well, in that first 30 days, that's really good to know because, um, you know, you're, you know, you're in a hurt. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm sure that there's someone else. I'm sure you're like this. It's like, once you know you're going to do it, you want to do it now. When can I get someone on board? So it's nice that you can just at least get the train moving in that first month. And then as you're doing it, it's just like podcasting. I always say like, don't be all perfect, you know, like get in it and do it. And then, you know, after that 30 days, you're able to make enough mistakes to be asking better questions and learning quickly and things like that. So 
Yeah. And the other thing I'll add is you don't have to wait 30 days and then hire your VA. Our thing is designed. So you learn our interview process, you go interview a VA, you learn our onboarding process, you onboard that VA training process, train them. And you can go as you want. And we've had people that take our stuff in a week and they have a VA in a week or two or three weeks. That's not unreasonable. Our process is designed for you to implement into your business very quickly. Love it. Love it. Perfect. Have you seen a use for outsourcing by some entrepreneur or someone you know, or one of your clients that you respect that you thought was extremely clever? So I have a funny one that I wouldn't say I respect them. I don't not respect <laughs> them, um, but they, they hired a VA to run their fantasy football team. I always think that was uh, just a, a fun one there. But I mean, I, I've seen all types of businesses. I have a business partner. I have a, a business friend, uh, Carlos Alvarez. He's an outdoor school insider. Um, I've known him for a while. He has 40 businesses and he runs them all with virtual assistants. And he has everything from a dance studio where he doesn't have like the cashier or the teachers for VAs, but the social media and the billing and all that is done with VAs. He sells ants on Amazon, which is a crazy business when you think about it. He runs all these businesses all over the place. He's the only person I've met that has more VAs than I do or that I've hired. Um, And he even takes our processes and just plugs them into his business. So he's a really cool one to follow. I love that. Well, you know, one of the things that we do, we're really, uh, we help people develop their podcasts using systems and processes. And we talked about this a little bit before, but I won't even, like when I work with somebody, they have to have somebody helping them because if they want to be an influencer, they shouldn't be, you know, moving files around, you know I mean? (laughs) There's like a million things that you shouldn't be doing. So I just think it's so valuable to understand that Hiring VAs doesn't have to be a nightmare. It should be enjoyable. And um, I just really love the tips that you've given on that. I would like to ask you some about your podcast. I know you're guests on so many, but do you have your own podcast right now? So I had a podcast called the Outsourcing and Scaling Show. We had, I don't even know how many episodes, 150 or something, but that was actually part of the acquisition at FreeUp. So FreeUp owns that podcast and FreeUp will be taking over um, that podcast. So um, yeah, I don't have a podcast now. I tend to do things a little backwards, not that I'm right and anyone else is wrong, but I tend to go on lots of podcasts, grow the business, then launch a podcast. I know a lot of people do that in the reverse. So we'll probably come out with a podcast at some point in the future. Yeah, I love it. Well, so when you started the podcast, I mean, having had it at FreeUp, I mean, I'm sure it was successful. Can you brag about it for a minute? I mean, we had some awesome guests, uh, Austin Nesley, Roland Frazier. Um, uh, yeah, man, I'm blanking on I mean, there's a lot of big names on there. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to be rattle off names, but I mean, it's a really, <laughs> really popular podcast for back when I was doing it. I still get people messaging me um, being like, hey, I heard you on this. And I'm like, hey, I'm not with Free Up anymore. But yeah, I mean, it, it, here's a cool thing about podcasts and, and I'll kind of go on on both sides. So going on podcasts, if you're not going on one podcast a week, you're really missing out. You don't have to be like me and go out, uh, go on one podcast a day but it's so good for networking and getting to know other people in your space. It's great for SEO and backlinks. A lot of people don't think about that. It's great for thousands, of, uh, getting in front of thousands of your ideal customers, assuming you do the research right and go on the right podcast. It's got a snowballing effect that leads to better and better speaking opportunities, um, whether it's summits, webinars, Facebook Lives, bigger podcasts. Um, and then on the flip side, if you have your own podcast, you get all of those things. Plus, you get to be a brand. Uh, plus, you have, you're have a little bit more authoritative in your space. But it also is a great way to invite people that you want to talk to on your podcast. I had people at FreeUp, and I won't name names, that hard rejected me. I mean, I get rejected every single week because I put myself out there a lot. Um, but they rejected me 
10 times before one day they saw me post that I have my podcast and they reached out to me and said, Hey, can I be on your podcast? Like that's the power of podcasts right there. Getting you in with people instead of going to them and being like, Oh, can you use my service? Can you promote my podcast or can you promote my service? You go to them and say, Hey, I have a podcast. I think you'd be a really good fit. And then the beginning of the podcast or the end of the podcast, you chat with them a little bit and then you have an end that you might not have. And there's, I could go on and on on why um, podcasting is good. And I don't have to tell you that. I know you know all the benefits as well. No, I honestly, I loved talking. You can just go on. Like I, I, I so agree with you. I just think they're magic. In fact, a lot of what we do, people are like, well, do I have to have a podcast or can I have a video? And I'm like, I say podcast for shorthand. Like you can start with some piece of media uh, if you want to interview someone, you're going to exponentially grow it. And just like what you said, I honestly believe that the relationships, it's the number one thing that you get out of podcasting. But then if you put that aside, like that's such a huge benefit. But even if you put that aside, then it's like, like you said, it's just millions of things that you can do and get out of it that, um, and think you're, I mean, you could literally forget more things that you get out of podcasting than you remember. It's just, it's incredible. 100%. I was going to say, we, we grew free up from a $5,000 investment to $12 million in sales, spending zero money on Facebook ads, zero money on Google ads. And we, we had other things too, a lot of which we teach, which is partnerships, lead generation, influencers promoting us, um, backlinks, stuff like that. But podcast was like the number one player. I went on a ton of podcasts. I got to network with really high people that got to know me, got to trust me, got to promote us or whatever it was. And that, that was huge. And without podcasts, FreeUp wouldn't have grown that size. And you can apply it to any industry that you're in. If you sell containers or mugs that for alcohol, like go on bartending podcasts. There's so many of them and get in front of your target market. Like it can be applied to any business. I love it. I love it. Well, so what triggered you to even want to start podcasting when you were at FreeUp? Uh, starting my own podcast or going on podcast? Or Just at all. Like what put podcasting on the radar for you? So the real answer is I came from the Amazon space. And when I got to free up, I didn't know anything about marketing because with the Amazon, you pay Amazon their 15%. They get you all the customers. And I with free up had to grow a website. And so we started learning and trying lots of things and doing SEO and oh my God, there's Facebook ads. Like, what am I going to do? Dump a hundred thousand dollars into Facebook ads when I don't know anything about marketing. And one day someone invited me on a podcast and it went well. And at the end of that podcast, they told me that they forgot to record it. So that was a total waste. <laughs> then I got on another podcast and it got out there and some people said, Hey, I heard about you. And they went on free up and, and signed up. And then I got invited on John Lee Dumas's podcast back before he started charging money for it because there was a last minute cancellation. And I was probably his last resort that day uh, to be on. So I went on, I didn't do a very good job. If anyone goes and listens to that podcast, I'm nervous. <laughs> I can't answer questions. I definitely don't. Um, I'm not as outgoing as I tend to be on podcasts now. Um, but people didn't care. They heard me there and that led to other podcasts. And all of a sudden I was like, man, I'm onto something. So we made it a consistent part of our marketing strategy. I love it. So did you have some kind of strategy about who you wanted on as guests? So e-commerce and marketing space were the targets for free up. When we started free up, we went after Amazon sellers. Then we branched out to e-commerce. Then we branched out to marketing. So everyone that we had on the podcast was in the Amazon e-commerce marketing space, usually influencers. And they're influencers that were either partners of us who we, I don't want to say like, oh, to favor to, but we wanted to 
help promote them because they had helped promote us. Um, and, or they were the people that were targets that weren't working with us or we wanted to work with them. And either they had rejected us before or we never even tried before. And, and that was kind of our, our way there. Um, or people that we just felt could add lots of value. People that knew a lot about outsourcing to, to add value as well. That's awesome. Well, and back then, um, was it easy to get, get like, I, you know, I've been podcasting for a while and I know for myself, depending on who my target audience was, you know, I used to, my target audience and my clients were real estate agents and getting them on was a lot different than like getting a marketing person on who got podcasting. Did you ever run into that where you were asking people and you wanted them on your show, but they were like, why? I don't understand what's a, like, what's a podcast? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I've, I get, like I said, I get rejected all the time. You, you almost like forget about that. And you just remember like the, the people that you get on. I mean, yeah, everyone's a different spot. I think I was fortunate enough that, and remember I, I take the mentality where I, start the podcast a few years into the business instead of in year one. So by that point, people knew who I was. I had been on podcasts. I had built up hopefully a good reputation. And so I think I had a little bit of advantage there in the sense that people wanted to be on my podcast where, um, but I will say that like people want to be on podcasts. Like, yeah, there's always going to people that reject you that want to, that don't want to be on your podcast, whatever it is. But if you put yourself out there, if you're putting out a quality po- podcast, if you're doing the stuff outside of the podcast to, to grow your brand and grow your business, there, there's going to be an opportunity for guests out there. And there's also plenty of services. Interview Valet is a great one. I've used them um, like that you can sign up for that'll bring guests to you. And there's no cost on your side that the people that want to be on podcasts pay. And then you actually become the vetter and you're like, hey, I want to interview this person, not this person. And kind of flips the switch. Oh, I love that. That is good. That's true. And I always call it flipping rocks. Like I feel like sometimes people get so stuck on, you know, oh, it's hard to find, you know, I'm like you, I'm like, whatever. I feel like it's, it's raining guests, you know? <laughs> um, but, you know, so you get what you get, what you're looking for. And for sure, you just got to kind of stick with it and just keep doing it and work your list. You were a guest on other people's show enough that people were more familiar with you. So that had to help. If you have a podcast, go on other people's podcasts to promote your podcast. One of the best ways to grow. Yep. That's awesome. What is your best piece of advice for other experienced podcasters? For other experienced podcasters. So my biggest advice is that the, a lot of people, they go on the podcast, they interview for X amount of time and then they log off and they're gone and they're missing out on a huge part of the podcast that you touched upon before, which is the networking and the relationships and getting to know people. And Oh, I always ask the podcast host what I can do, um, what I can do for them. How can I help their business? Learn what the business is behind the podcast. Usually they're not just running a podcast for fun. Usually there's some kind of motivation behind it. So for me, networking is one of those things that you build up little and little over time you should be using podcasts and network. And I have podcast hosts that are, I was on their podcast three years ago and they're still promoting my stuff. And I have podcast hosts who I'm friends with that I'll run into at a conference. Like use that time to network. Don't forget about that. All the other stuff, the backlinks, the listeners, the clients, whatever is great. Don't forget about the networking component. I love it. You know, that made me think you, I have a script for the day of interview. So like when you show up to the interview. I've got my list of my checklist that we, we went through earlier, but I think it, it'd be useful then probably to have one as a guest as well. That's not something we that, that I've done in the past. We, in our, we have a, a program called the podcast outreach formula that you can get separately or it's included in our membership, but we have the before, the during, the after checklist for being a guest. I love it. That's so great. So, um, well, where can people find you? 
Yeah, I'm very easy to find. Nathan Hirsch on Facebook, LinkedIn, Real Nate Hirsch on Instagram, Twitter. If you go to OutsourceSchool.com, you can schedule a call with me or someone on my team there. You can grab a free trial of Outsource School Insider. Um, check out our membership. You can check out all the different stuff that we have, and we're pretty easy to contact. Awesome. And be sure to go and check our show notes page on, on the web and uh, also linked from our social media, and we'll be sure to include your links there as well. So is there anything, Nathan, that I haven't asked that maybe you'd like to share with everyone? Yeah, I mean, man, there's so much. I mean, for me, it it comes down to having a good organic marketing strategy and then complementing that with ads down the line. And we already talked about podcasts, but partnerships is a big part of it as well. Find other people in your space that don't do what you do that have the same audience. So with FreeUp, we started off with Amazon sellers till we went after Amazon software companies. And we said, hey, we don't offer Amazon software. You don't offer VAs. We both have Amazon sellers as our community. Let's set up cross promotions every three months. We'll do a blog post together. Maybe we'll do a podcast. We'll do a YouTube video. We'll, we, we even did some VIP co-sponsored networking events at conferences back in the day when you could actually go to conferences. Um, so setting up these content, these consistent partnership swaps over time, by the end, we had 300 partners every quarter just promoting us and we promote them creating win-wins for everyone. So you combine the podcast, the partnerships, the consistent networking. I try to network with new entrepreneurs every single week. You're putting out content, people who follow me on social media, consistent content is key. You're doing lead generation. You're going after influencers, which is the hardest thing to do to get them to promote you. And you have an affiliate program that is clear, easy to remember that you're telling everyone about that's on your website. Those six things together, can you can grow any business. And we're using it to grow Outsource School. We teach our members how to do that with VAs. And anything you do on the paid side, it's only going to complement your organic marketing blueprint. Gosh, that is so awesome. Well, I feel like you've just jam-packed this time with amazing amazing tips. I mean, from the four parts of hiring and having the followers, the doers and experts as, you know, what we loosely call VAs um, and just how to look at all that and uh, the nuts and bolts of it and right down to podcasting. It just, I think someone could come back and listen to this a bunch of times and I encourage you to do that because there is a lot of great information. Okay. I do have one more question. I personally think it's the most important question of the whole show. Where is your favorite restaurant and what do you order when you get there? (laughs) Royal Thai. It's down the street here in Orlando. I've been trying to support them as much as possible since I'm sure they're they're struggling. Um, But I get green curry. I get pad thai with shrimp. um, And they have these like potato balls that I never know what they're called, but we order that as well. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. I love, you know, my stomach always growls after I ask this and I am just a huge foodie. So you'll have to watch our, um, we have a Yelp favorites uh, map that we put these on. And I, I hesitate to do it because the last time I, I updated it, we update them in bulk and then we push it out. And I got so much traffic that Yelp called me and they're like, what? what is like, is there something, what do you do? Like, why do you have traffic? And I actually got in trouble for having all this traffic all of a sudden. So, so far we're still on Yelp, but if you see that we've moved to TripAdvisor or something, um, but be (laughs) sure to watch that. So we've got a lot of good, good things there. So thanks again, Nathan, for being here. Again, you just gave so much amazing value um, when it comes to both outsourcing and podcasts. So thanks again. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And thanks so much to everyone who's listening. Thank you to our outstanding team. And remember, the best really is yet to come. 